1: Global Business News 24 hours a day at bloomberg.com the radio plus mobile app and on your radio this is a bloomberg business flash from bloomberg world headquarters I'm Charlie Pellet we have got 13 minutes to go ahead of that closing bell the dow and the s&p 500 index heading for another record close stocks are extending gains amid corporate results that point to resilience in the global economy better than expected numbers this morning from j p morgan chase up 2% other bank Stocks rallying as well. Tomorrow we hear from Citigroup and Wells Fargo. S and P 500 index up 12 to 2164, a gain there of six tenths of one percent. Nasdaq up 29 points, a gain of six tenths of one percent. The Nasdaq Composite Index, by the way, now at 5,035. Dow Industrials up 144 points, a gain of eight tenths of one percent. Gold up ten dollars the ounce to 1333, a gain of seven tenths of one percent. The ten-year down 1532 seconds. The yield on the ten-year one point five two percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
2: Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. It's time now for the ETF report. It's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorspdrs.com or call one eight six six Sector ETF. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for the ETF report.
0: Vanguard took in $140 billion in new money in the first half of the year. Bloomberg intelligence analyst Eric Baltuna says Vanguard's gain continues to cause Wall Street some pain. His reasoning?
3: If you take Vanguard's $3 trillion, they only take home about $3.9 billion in fees from that money. To put that into perspective, if me, if for every $3 trillion active mutual funds have, they take in about $30 billion. And for every $3 trillion hedge funds have, they take in about $55 billion.
0: Beltuna says a popularity of low-cost ETFs and index funds represents a transfer of wealth away from financial middlemen toward investor accounts. He adds, in addition to Vanguard's low fees, the financial industry is also being hurt by the lack of trading done by Vanguard's index funds and ETFs. Low turnover within those funds means less revenue for Wall Street firms. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery.
1: This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Your
2: money, your financial wellness. Someone that's looking out for your financial wellness, Elliot Weisbluth. He is the founder and the chief executive officer of Hightower, helping to manage about $35 billion of customer assets. Elliot, thank you very much for being in the studio. Yeah, always a pleasure, Pim. All right. So, a you got to just step back and, and, and tell me what's been going on since last time we spoke because, you know, if you take a look at the S&P 500, you know, you're up about 6% so far this year. But you've kind of done a round trip if you started back in January and held on to your your stomach as the stock market uh, cratered. What's been going on?
3: Well, hopefully, if you have a good financial advisor, you um, didn't look at all the blood that was showing in December and January and February. You you sort of turned off the screen. You didn't look at all the, all the bad news. Markets recovered. Covered. Things today look a little bit more stable. But if you have somebody who's looking out for your investments for you, um, you don't have to worry exactly about what's happening in the marketplace because you've entrusted a professional, hopefully a fiduciary, uh, to keep an eye on that for you.
2: I'm glad you mentioned fiduciary. Maybe we can just do a little sidebar here because fiduciary is a hot word this year because it has to do with the new Department of Tell Labor regulation. Yeah. yeah, okay. Explain what's going on and also about your registered reps and how sure. they're responding.
3: So first of all, the fiduciary standard is not new. The fiduciary standard is embedded in what it means to be a doctor, to be a a lawyer, uh, to be an accountant. And in the most simplest terms, it means that the service provider has a legal obligation to put their client or their patient or their person they're serving first. They can't put their own economic interest in front of what they're saying to their to the patient or the client. So just when you go see a doctor, you don't ever worry that a doctor is prescribing a drug to you because they're getting paid to prescribe that drug. So there's a high degree of confidence in the areas of medicine. In our industry, unfortunately, that term has become a, a really a hot topic. Uh, there are, are parts of the industry where there's a fiduciary duty, like Hightower, and there are parts of the industry where people pretend to be fiduciaries, and they're not really fiduciaries. The Department of Labor, unfortunately, has made that even more complicated because what they've done is they've tried to redefine the fiduciary duty, and they've done it with good intentions. I, I applaud their intention. But it's kind of like if um, the USDA came out and said, you know, we're going to have vegetarian steak or we have a new way to kosher a pig. All right, and you kind of look at that, and you go, "Well, how, how does that work exactly? I'm going to be a vegetarian, but I get to have a steak once in a once in a while. Well, that doesn't work. You can't be a vegetarian and occasionally have steak because that means you're not a vegetarian." So similarly, with the Department of Labor, they've said, "Well, we're going to have fiduciaries, but." Here's a bunch of exceptions and situations where the conflict of interest can actually exist in their relationship. So at Hightower, we don't, we don't buy that. We don't think that's a true fiduciary duty. We think that those uh, loopholes and caveats, uh, sort of Swiss cheesing, of the department uh, of the of the, of the rule is really a problem because it creates confusion. So we hope that the department of labor and the the SEC and and the government sort of gets a little more organized has a little more frank conversations and we have a single clear unambiguous fiduciary duty standard where there's no ambiguity everybody understands what it means and you can trust that when you have a fiduciary
2: it's really a true fiduciary. All right, so now let's talk about the actual money right? Yep. And now we are post-Brexit. We're living in a low interest rate environment. Uh, 401ks, IRAs, they are tax-advantaged accounts. What should people be thinking about for those kinds of investments?
3: Well, the most important thing they should be doing is, is really getting the advice of a third party. And everybody's situation is a little bit different. A lot of it has to do with where you are in your life cycle. A lot of it has to do with the planning that hopefully you have a financial plan that takes into consideration where you are in terms of building a family and building a career. And all of these are important tools that a financial advisor will Integrate into a holistic plan, and this is where we we talk about financial wellness. Um, if you have a thoughtful financial plan and a fiduciary advisor, you you hopefully can back away from what happens day to day in the stock market or what happens week to week. And a situation like Brexit happens. Uh, if you trust your financial advisor is doing what he's doing. You might have a curiosity about sort of the global uh, economic and political landscape, but you don't have anxiety that it's going to have a, have a, uh, an impact on your portfolio where you have to actually engage to worry about it. That's what a good financial advisor should be doing, should be doing for you.
2: I, I wonder whether your background as a lawyer, because I know that you, you have a law degree. I'm I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm
3: recovering. Okay. (laughs) All
2: right. But uh, the reason I bring that up is because, uh, lawyers are, are either advocates or interrogators. There's always the other side. And people who are not professional in, let's say, managing money, who try to do it themselves, they're up against some very smart, energetic, and powerful adversaries.
3: Well, so statistically, um, there's a, a depending how you count the data, between five and six trillion dollars of assets are managed by do-it-yourselfers, and some of them are doing it themselves in a very sort of um, disorganized fashion. Some of them are plugged into a firm like Vanguard, and they're using very thoughtful tools, analytics, and and products that have very low cost to them. There's another $6 trillion that are being in the hands of brokers, uh, folks that uh, are not fiduciaries. They may even call themselves financial advisors, but from a legal perspective, they don't owe you a fiduciary duty. And then there's a few trillion dollars that are in the hands of, of true fiduciaries. So if you take a look at those three segments of the industry, um, I, we obviously are biased because we're in the business of providing advice. We think that having a true professional uh, manage your financial plan and manage the assets for you, is obviously the, the right way to go compared to somebody who has an agenda to, to sell you, to sell you a product. But doing it yourself, uh, and many people do it successfully themselves, requires a lot of time and care and attention and is probably better for you than at the hands of somebody who has an ulterior motive and a conflict of interest where you're unaware uh, that they're actually making money off of you, not making money for you.
2: In the legal profession, in the medical profession, uh, as a lawyer, you don't represent yourself. As a doctor, you typically don't treat yourself. Or, you never do. You know, you know, it's okay, hypocritical. Or you can Right, or yeah. your family members, for example. Not allowed to. Unethical. In the financial industry, people in the financial business, they manage their own money many times. Should that change?
3: I don't think so. That's a great point, Pim. I think in some cases the sort of I eat my own cooking is a really good metric of credibility. Now, many financial advisors will say, you know, I invest alongside my clients. I use many of the products that my clients use. And and we think that's a perfectly suitable way to establish credibility. Now, depending on where that financial advisor may be inside of their own financial plan, vis-a-vis their clients, you may have some differences in people's needs and risk tolerances. So it's not a requirement from a a client's perspective, that their financial advisor be invested in in all the things that they are. But there's nothing wrong with a financial advisor uh, saying to a client that I, I eat my own cooking and I put my money at risk the same way that I put your money at risk.
2: Last point to you: low interest rates. Mm-hmm. Is this the topic of of the year for uh, customers?
3: Well, I think it's been a bit of a topic for a while. Yeah, no. I, mm-hmm. I think we've been living in this environment um, for for some time now. Uh, and again, because I'm not in in the markets business, I'm I'm a recovering lawyer and and uh, do not do not comment on on rates and which way they're going. But I certainly am surrounded at Hightower by some very fine thoughtful financial advisors that are true professionals in this. And the consensus opinion from a couple of them that are sort of close to, to close to me is that we're going to be sort of in this environment for at least the near term. And uh, given where we've been, it's, it's not likely to change soon.
2: Thank you very much for spending time and in coming into the studio. Elliot Weissbluth is the founder and the chief executive officer of Hightower Helping to manage $35 billion. You're listening to Taking Stock. We're going to take you through to the close next, and this is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state